Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD. We couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to take a moment to thank them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including VSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our platinum sponsors, including Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where teams communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is Lisa Jingritz. She's a certified master athletic administrator, and she's the director of athletics and health and physical education at Nashua High School in Nashua, New Hampshire. Lisa, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Jake. Thanks for having me. Oh, gosh, we're very excited. Um, well, again, as you know, we were talking about this before we came on. Uh, the life of an AD is very busy these days, so we're going to jump right into it. We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, um, where you went to school, where you grew up, uh, college, and, and maybe how a love of sports led to that first teaching and coaching job. Okay, great. Um, so I grew, I'm actually a native of Nashua. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with the area, Nashua is about 38 miles north of, northwest of Boston. Um, we're right on the uh, New Hampshire, Massachusetts border. So we're an hour from the ocean, an hour from the White Mountains, and about an hour on a good day from Boston. We can get to New York City in about four. So it's a, it's a great location. I grew up here. I started playing sports started with softball as early as I could. My brother was a, a big baseball player. So obviously softball was the natural thing for his baby sister to get involved in. Um, played softball in, in middle school, started playing volleyball and basketball. In high school, I moved on and, and I eventually gave up basketball in high school to, to focus on the other two sports. Um, was going to play in college, but at the time I was a, a dual major. So trying to fit in a dual major and an interscholastic collegiate athletic career was a, a little challenging. So I, I did stop playing um, competitively at that point. Still, you know, played volleyball and played adult league softballs and things like that. Um, I went to St. Michael's in Winooski, Vermont for a couple of years. And then I transferred locally to Rivier University right here in Nashua to finish my undergraduate degree I was a math education major. I kind of have a, a different path to my current career. I was a, a math, math teacher by trade, actually student taught at the junior high school I went to. Um, and then right out of college, I probably one of the best things I ever did for myself professionally is I got a job at another town. Um, I went and I, I taught over in Salem, New Hampshire for six years, started coaching there, coached softball and volleyball there during my time. And then I came back to Nashua to, to teach. And the reason I say that was 
a good decision professionally is when I started teaching in Nashua, I was a, an experienced educator coming into the district as opposed to a, a former student. There's a lot of people from Nashua that, that come right out of college and start teaching here. And that's a, you know, they're still looked at a little bit as former students. So I think that was a great decision for me. I, while I was teaching in Salem, got my master's degree from UMass Lowell in applied mathematics. And then started, when I came to Nashua to teach, I started coaching varsity volleyball over the river in a neighboring town. And I did that for 13 years until I became the athletic director in Nashua. Um, so I, I taught math for 19 years. I've taught everything under the sun from teaching high school students how to add and subtract all the way up to AP statistics and AP computer science um, and, and everything in between. So coached in Hudson, Every year but one, we made playoffs, made it to the semifinals a couple of times. I was really involved in our state coaches association for volleyball, was um, at one point in time, the secretary, treasurer, and vice president all at the same time. So be became pretty well known th throughout the state. Um, and then in, in 2013, the position for athletic director became open in Nashua um, for the eighth time in 12 years. Yeah, there was, wow. there was a, a revolving door here and, and, you know, for a variety of reasons, people were here for anywhere from six months to four years. Um, so in, in 2013, I kind of took my love of sports and my love of kids and my critical thinking skills and decided to apply for the job. And some people were like, math teacher, what? And other people were like, oh my God, that job, your skill set makes perfect sense. Um, so I've been here ever since. I'm now the, the longest tenured AD since 2001 when a gentleman retired after being here for 25 plus years. Um, so made a lot of strides in, in the district here and hope to be here for a long time. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's, uh, that's a great story. And I think it's just important for our listeners, particularly our younger, uh, 80s, you know, to hear the journeys that uh, that we yeah. all take. Um, I'm curious, obviously, you have a background in athletics as a, a player and a successful coach, but um, as you put on that AD hat for the first time, what were some things that um, maybe surprised you a little bit about the job? And maybe what's um, one or two things that, you know, you came in and uh, just really hit it out of the park, thought you did a great job with? Oh, that's so hard. It's, it's easier to talk about all the mistakes I made rather than all the good things I did. Um, people always asked me that first year, you know, was the job what you expected? What surprised you and things like that? And it's a hard question to answer because as I said to people, there's nothing that came across my desk that I wasn't expecting. You know, the discipline issues with students, the unsuccessful coaches that you had to have those difficult conversations with or the really successful coaches that you wanted to praise and celebrate and, and move forward, the excitements of our students, as well as everything that being an athletic director entails during the school day. As an athletic director, you're also a school administrator. So all of the pieces that come along with that. Um, so there was nothing really, I think that surprised me you know, coming in and being an AD, you have to be ready for the long days. You have to be ready for the long weeks. The, the day never ends. You know, we're, we're pretty much 24-7. Um, 
all year long. I think probably one of the biggest advices I would give to someone either pursuing this career or starting as a new AD is to ask for help. Even, even if you think you know the right answer, call a veteran and be like, hey, this, this is the first time I'm dealing with this. This is what I think I want to do. Is it a good or, good or bad decision to make? And I think that's helpful. Um, when I took over in, in 2013, fortunately, I have a great team that works with me. And, and one of the biggest things is Nashua had a, a not great reputation. Um, we're sort of an inner city, not an inner city, you know, like, like Manchester or even parts of Boston, but we have some, some poverty areas in our district. So didn't have a great reputation. People didn't often want to come here. Sportsmanship wasn't the greatest. So I, I think probably the biggest success is we have changed the culture. Um, our students behave themselves both on the field, off the field, in the stands, in school. We've really pushed the the whole student athlete and not that it's all about your performance. It's about being a good person. It's about doing what's right in society, doing what's right in school, being a good citizen, helping other people and things like that. So I think if there was one thing that I'm most proud of, it's probably that one. Mm -hmm. oh, and again, that's uh, so, so important. Uh, you touched on um, the idea of m mentorship and in our profession, you know, we, we stress that so much. Mm -hmm. Who are some of your mentors, either uh, coaches or teachers that you had growing up or people that you worked with or uh, worked for? Uh, whose voice do you still hear uh, when you go to work each day? Yeah, there's definitely, that's a great question because there's definitely three people um, I'd like to mention. One is a former high school teacher. Um, I had him being very interested in, in the maths and computer sciences. I had him for probably six courses my junior and senior year. And he was just really a big inspiration on why I went into education, why I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be like him, um, you know, and, and I always hear him in the back of my head, just remember, it's always about the kids. And I think that phrase alone, we hear it a lot in this profession as an ED, that sometimes there's a lot of headaches, but at the end of the day, when you go out on that field or you go out into the gym or the pool or the track, it's being with the kids that makes it all worthwhile. The next person would be when I was teaching at Nashua, um, our principal, who then went on to become our assistant superintendent. She has taught me a lot about leadership, um, a lot about making the difficult decisions and surrounding yourself with good people because you can't do it all by yourself. Um, and then the third person and probably one of the most influential persons in my new career is somebody I know you know, Carol Dosbrin our executive director here in New Hampshire. Um, she's not only a great mentor to me, but to all of us in this state. Um, she definitely provides leadership and is the, the, the pinnacle of what a good athletic director needs to be. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's always great to hear about those people that helped us along our journeys. Uh, and I think you covered, you know, your, your student days, you know, your working days, and then now, uh, in New Hampshire, you know, Carol is certainly, uh, you know, uh, not just a state figure, but a national figure. You know, she's actually, we are actually working together on a new uh, NIAAA course, but go ahead and expand on that a little bit. Uh, talk about how you, you know, you became an athletic director, but how'd you get involved with your state organization? And, 
even talk about the certification process. You're a CMAA, yeah. and that's a very, yeah. uh, a very elite group. Uh, yeah. Take us through that journey. Well, so people who know me will tell you I don't do anything halfway. Um, if I'm in something, I am all in, and I get in and I get involved. Um, I had one of my colleagues tell me the other day that I made a really big mistake my first year on the job, and that was proving to people how good and how smart I am. Um, he said, you know, when you, when you start a new job, you got to set the bar low, because then you can only go up from there. He says, you have no place to go but down. Um, so I kind of chuckled and smiled and said, great. Um, so right from the beginning, you know, we in New Hampshire, we have our New Hampshire organization and we also have our divisional organization. So right away, got involved with um, the divisional AD group, the division one group. Fortunately, as having been a, a varsity coach for so long, I at least knew a lot of them from coach opposing AD relationships. So not all of the faces were unfamiliar. Um, got involved right away in that became i think a, a different voice a different way to see things like i said my my math background 99 percent of our job is problem solving and critical thinking and how do we put all the pieces together and that is what math is all about um so got involved in the division made you know great connections there got involved right away with helping with our divisional schedules again that's a puzzle and, and pieces and, and fits my skill set from there, obviously, right involved with the state association right away, participating in meetings, things like that. I think it was either the end of my first year, beginning of my second year, I actually became the treasurer of our association. So I've been the treasurer and membership chair of our state association for six years now. Um, so that's been like a big part of my job. Um, and then with the national organization, you know, being involved, attending section one institutes, attending our state organization, making sure and, you know, jumping right on right from the beginning and taking LTA, LTI classes and becoming involved and becoming more aware of what the NIAAA is and, and who it is and what it represents and what it can do for us. Um, so in 2017, so after four years, I got my CAA. Um, really nervous. I'm just, again, I'm all in for things. I like to be really good at things. So was very disappointed. I got a couple questions wrong on the test, um, but got my CAA and immediately started working at, for the next level. Um, you know, working towards that CMAA and in the master's certification, just, you know, it's, it's who we are. And I think it's important that everybody knows as athletic directors, the NIAAA offers the best professional development for our profession. First and foremost is, is the networking. Um, you know, I attended my first national conference this year and I'm ashamed to say that I hadn't attended prior to. Um, you know, it was a great opportunity and I can't wait to go back. Disappointed, we just learned that we won't be going to Tampa in December. Right. Um, so after the the CAA in 2017, this summer, I completed my master's certification and I was actually the, the thousandth CMAA in the country. So that was kind of cool to, to have that little extra um, PR, I guess. Um, so that was a great experience, you know, continuing the, the LTI classes and working on that project. I did our project on bringing back a Hall of Fame to Nashua. We had had a Hall of Fame for 10 years and then it's been dormant for 20. So bringing that back to our city and our community and things like that. So that was a, a really great opportunity. 
and then come this December, I will be the section one representative on the national board. Wow. Okay. So, like I said, I'm all in. Okay. Well, uh, as a member of uh, certification uh, for NIAAA, uh, our committee was following that uh, um, unofficial race, if you will. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were all excited when, uh, you know, number 1000 came through. So congratulations on that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, let's go ahead and jump right in and talk about COVID. Um, oh. You know, it certainly had an impact on uh, everyone across the country. Mm -hmm. And we've seen a variety of responses uh, in states and in school districts. Some states, it's business as usual. Uh, other states, they're completely switching seasons around. Football to the spring, baseball in the fall, and others are doing everything in between. Um, spoiler alert, you know, we're recording this in um, early September. Uh, so things may have changed when this airs, but What's happening right now in New Hampshire uh, with regards to uh, schools opening up as well mm -hmm. as, you know, return to play in sports? Yep. So you mentioned that it's different all over the country. It's different from one community to the other in the state of New Hampshire, as I'm sure it is in other states that are larger. Um, we're a relatively small state. We have 89 member schools in our state association. And we're all over the place. Um, I can tell you that the Catholic schools in New Hampshire are all in. They're 100% in, they're in-person education. We have some schools that are doing hybrid, that it's 25% to 50% on any given day. We have other school districts like my own where we are remote for now, hoping to move into the hybrid phase in October and move in from there. Um, Hopefully at some point in time this school year, we will see 100% of our student body in school on a given day, but it fluctuates and changes minute by minute. So you never know what's gonna happen. So that's what's happening with schools. Um, you know, we were all faced with this strange situation in March where it was, you're not in school, you're not playing sports. And oh, by the way, you will remote teach. Um, so that was a, a big challenge in the state of New Hampshire, especially in communities like my own, where we weren't set up for remote education. We, you know, a lot of our families don't have technology at home. They don't have internet at home. And, and fortunately, a lot of our community partners came through. Our local cable company provided free Wi-Fi access for a lot of our families, which was really tremendous. Um, so that's from the school part of it. It's, it's a challenge for everybody, not only administrators, teachers, students, but also the parents and the families. You know, at this point in time, a lot of parents are going back to work. They're no longer working remotely. So now what do I do with my kid who's home five days a week having to learn and, and things like that? So it's a, I think it's a challenging time for all of us um, and, and focusing mostly on mental health of people, our students, our colleagues, our friends, you know, being able to to really look out for each other. And I think that's really important. Um, athletically speaking, we did delay our season. Um, the state association delayed the season, start of our fall season by three weeks. We usually start in the middle of August and we just started this past Tuesday, um, September 8th. So we started some of our, we are a district that we're all in. Um, so we were given permission by our superintendent and our school board and the support of our community that we are playing all sports at all levels, middle school, high, um, middle school, right through our varsity programs, cross country, all the way to football. 
Um, so we're doing that. Other communities in the area, they're not doing middle school sports and they're only doing varsity athletics. Some schools are doing everything except football. Some schools are doing just cross country and golf. So it's, it's a wide range of things. One thing that we have done in our division is we have tried very hard to do regional schedules. So in our division, we have three, four, we have five teams that are probably within eight miles of each other, eight high schools, um, even though we're in different communities. So we are creating a cluster and our teams will only compete against those teams until we get to playoffs. We have some schools that their communities have put a 30 to 35 mile travel restriction on them. So that automatically eliminates some people. Um, other communities have eliminated the two big cities, Nashville and Manchester, from their schedules because we have the highest numbers in the state. Um, so we're all working together. We're all trying to take care of each other. We did create it, the schedules in such a way that rivalry games will take place during the first week. So knock on wood, God forbid, the end of the season get cut short, we'll at least have had those games. We're looking at, you know, even having our senior weeks, our senior night recognitions during the first couple of weeks of the season to, you know, spring seniors didn't get that opportunity. Um, so really trying to make sure if something happens on the, the back end of the season that we were at least able to get through, you know, those, those things that are important to our students. All right. No, I mean, it's, I appreciate you sharing all that. And, you know, talking about seniors, we actually have our first home football game tomorrow and we are opening with senior night. Yep. Uh, so it, just for that very reason. Yeah. Uh, Lisa, we've been asking our athletic directors uh, this next question. Um, last spring, in addition to COVID, uh, we also saw uh, a real increase in the awareness of, you know, social issues, you know, yep. social justice, if you will. Um, and, you know, the events of Minneapolis and Atlanta seemed like a long time ago. And then now, you know, Wisconsin, uh, you know, just uh, pops up. Here's the question. What are some things from your perspective as an AD, what are some things that we can do a better job of in this regard with our students, our coaches, our communities? You know, how can we be better at uh, being aware of these social issues? I think the biggest thing is education of our students and our coaches. Um, you know, in, in our community, we, not all of our coaches are teachers. So they're not used to having these conversations with their kids, being more aware of listening for certain things or watching for way kids, kids treat each other and things like that. But I think the biggest thing, not just in Nashua, but across the country is, is people just need to value other people's opinions. You know, you may not agree with it, but everybody is entitled to their own opinion. Um, but it's important that we're able to respect each other's persons, properties, communities. You know, it, it's just so disheartening that just because two people disagree about something that we go and are burning buildings and stealing from people and destroying property. It's just, you know, I don't, I don't know how we got to that point. So it's, you know, we just have to start or return to respecting each other. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing. Let's go ahead and uh, shift gears a little bit. What, uh, what are your favorite parts about being the athletic director at Nashua? What gets you excited about coming to work each day? Oh, the kids, the smiles on their faces. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be very honest with you, Tuesday, 
I went out and I tried to get to every field, every gym, every track um, of the two high schools that I oversee. And it brought tears to my eyes to see the kids back out there. Um, you know, just the, you, I walked by or, or, or rode by in the golf cart and, you know, kids taking time to say thank you. Thank you for letting us play. Thank you for making this happen. Um, that's, that's the best part. And, and we all have to keep that in mind. Um, you know, whether it's a big game and they win or it's a small game and they lose, it's, it's the smile on their faces. It's the, the camaraderie they have with their teammates and things like that, that, you know, the best part of the day, even though I start work at six in the morning, best part of the day is after three o'clock when I get to be with kids. Um, you know, whether out on the field or at a game or even just sitting in my office, getting some things done and a kid pops in, Hey, Miss G, can I chat? Absolutely. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. It's always about the kids. Yep. Um, uh, I'm curious from your perspective, uh, you know, you're a classroom teacher, but again, a, a very successful athletic coach, um, in your time as an athletic director or your time in athletics, Obviously, technology has been a big change. The fact that yes. we're zooming, you know, is evidence of that. But what are um, what are some changes that you've seen in your day-to-day -day job as an athletic director, say, in the last ten or twelve years? You know, what's yeah. from when you it, first started? It it's just amazing. I mean, the the technology is first and foremost. Um, I think along with that technology is the luxury and the curse of social media. Um, you know, it's a great thing to be able to get information out there, but it's also our kids are cyber, cyber bullying each other. And it's, it's easy to hide behind a phone or a computer and just type nasty things and, and things like that. I think that's a big thing. I think one thing we're all struggling with across the country is club teams and private teams and travel teams that are pulling our athletes away from high school sports. You know, high school sports are a big part of a student's life and they'll never have that opportunity to get back. And I think it's a shame um, these organizations that forbid kids from playing on their high school teams. So I think, I think that's a big change. I think also with that comes the decline of the multi-sport athlete. You know, kids that are six years old and I'm gonna be a star soccer player. So I'm only gonna play soccer and I'm picking on soccer. It could be any sport in there. Um, I think that's really a detriment. You know, I grew up, we all played everything. You know, I was only a two sport athlete in high school, but most of us were either two or three sport athletes. It, it was rare to find someone who only did one season. Um, so I think that's, that's a, a big change also. And, you know, just the, you already mentioned all of the social things that are going on around the kids, the, the students are different than they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago when I started teaching 27 years ago when I started teaching, you know, it's just, it's just a, a different time that these students are growing up. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully on that three sport thing, we're seeing the pendulum slowly swing back. Uh, but yep. uh, you're right. It's, it's certainly different. Yep. Well, Lisa, uh, I've really enjoyed uh, talking with you, getting to know you, but we're not done yet. Uh -oh. uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Mm -hmm. um, you are a veteran AD now, uh, and I'm tasking you with sending out a brand new athletic director on their very first job. But I'm mm -hmm. only gonna let you put three things 
in their toolbox? What yep. three things are going to go in your AD's toolbox? So first thing would be make sure you have for other people, you need a Carol on your speed dial. I had, I had Carol, you need somebody on your speed dial that day or night at any point in time, who's your go-to person that you're going to call, be it, you know, the, the, your mentor or an unofficial mentor, you got to have that person. Um, the other thing is building the right relationships and building the right relationships with the right people early. Know who your field guys are. Make sure you have a great secretary. Know who, you know, if not all your fields are on your campus, who are your go-to people for the other fields? Your bus people, your transportation people. You have to build those relationships early. Build those relationships with the other ADs that you're going to communicate with. Um, and then the third thing would be make sure you establish good communication with your kids, with your families, with the, um, the staff and administrators in your building, with other ADs, with the community, with the press, being able to know what, what your communication tools are. You know, don't always do email. Even though it's 2020, pick up the phone and call somebody. Have a, have a conversation with them because sometimes you can get, get work done a lot quicker with a phone call than you can through an email. I'm so glad you mentioned that, particularly, you know, those support people. Uh, they are so crucial and, and many times, you know, not, uh, not appreciated. So thanks for sharing that. Lisa, it's been great. Um, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Jake. All the best as you uh, continue to reopen. Uh, and to our listeners, um, all the best to you. And thanks, as always, for listening. Tune in again next time for another episode of the Educational AD. Thanks again for listening to the Educational AD Podcast. Remember, these episodes are also being uploaded to the YouTube channel for the Educational AD and the FIAAA. Thanks again for listening.